Welcome to the show. Thank you for taking part in this immersive listening experience. A meaningful existence is a moving target that no matter how close will always be out of reach. We hope this message finds you with an outstretched hand. As we attempt to uncover complex truths, remember, life's toughest questions can be answered if we all just focus on one thing. Being good people. Hi, I'm Joel Sherman. Hi, I'm Chelsea Showalter. And, and this, this is, is Good, good people. people. Hello everybody, welcome to Good People episode 26. Today I was joined by Chelsea Showalter. She helps deliver babies, and today she was one of my bestest friends. We talked about none of that stuff today, and instead our conversation revolved around tennis, whoop straps, working the night shift, whether or not you can gender barbells, and alcohol and marijuana usage in adults. If you are listening on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, please consider giving the show a rating. It really does help us out a ton. Enjoy the show. How are you? I'm good, how are you? Good. Um, I thought about that question on the way over here, like how I was gonna start this, and I said, why don't I just start with how are you? And I thought you would give me like a, you know, I've been lonely or something like that, <laughs> but. Lonely? <laughs> yeah. Uh, this is cool, you're the first person that I've had Sorry, I didn't, I didn't mean to insinuate anything about you. You're the first person that I've had that is, we're doing this in person, which is pretty cool. Yeah, I actually am, I'm pretty pumped that we made this work in person. Yeah, Chelsea has been a wonderful uh, source of feedback for the show. And so we've talked about this since we started and we're doing it now six months in. Six months I don't even know what episode this is, 26? 26. 26, I like even numbers, that's good. Yeah. Um, I meant to say it during uh, the episode 23 to tell our guest, it was Graciano Rubio. I meant to say this, he was on our Michael Jordan episode and I forgot to say that. Um, but what's 26? I don't know of anything that's 26. Who's number 26? I don't know either. Oh, you, oh, you mean like number 23 was, is that what you're saying, Michael Jordan? Yeah, like 22 is like the Taylor Swift okay. year. Taylor Swift episode. Oh, for the love. Ethan was Taylor Swift episode. Graciano Rubio was Michael Jordan. Do you like Taylor Swift? Taylor Swift is okay. There's a lot of drama now with Taylor Swift um, and, and Travis, Travis Kelsey. Kelsey. Yeah, yeah. I saw a pretty insane, I can't remember all of them. There's a whole bunch of things that have happened since she's at the Chiefs game. Right. Um, in terms of like increasing viewership and apparently just like her tour made a whole bunch of money for the US economy. Yeah, uh, her so presence at the Chiefs game also did that for the Chiefs. Well, and I'm sure their merchandise and all that stuff too. I mean, yeah. it's Taylor Swift. Like, I'm not a big fan though. Really? No. Just her music? I mean, her, her music's okay. It's catchy, but I feel like Taylor Swift has this like need to, to make everyone, like to be relatable. And I don't know if she's, I think her early days she was definitely relatable, but is she really relatable now? I mean, she's making literally billions of dollars. Like, Yeah, do you know how old she is, by the way? Ooh. I wanna say probably 30, 31. Yeah, well what's know. crazy to me is like, when I was 11 yeah. and Taylor Swift was like, the big deal, 33. Mm, 33. Um, I mean, I guess that is in line, but I thought she was like, 33 when I was young. Oh, yeah. And I didn't realize. And so now what's crazy is she, when I was that age, she was probably my age or maybe a little older. 
She was, I remember when I was in college, she had just started making music and she was like 16. Mm. So, and that makes sense because she's probably, I'm 36, she's 30, well, three or four years younger. How old do you say she is? 31? 33. Oh, she's only three years younger than me. Yeah. So maybe she was like 17 or 18. Anyway. Yeah, but what gets crazy with stuff like that too is like now, anytime I'm watching college football, I'm like, wow, these people are all five years younger than I am and they're... I have this idea when I watch any football that everybody is older than me. Yeah, you just think that they're older than you. Yeah. But they're not. They're, they're sig like significantly younger than me. <laughs> yeah, like just out of college or... Yeah, some of them just out of high school. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, pretty much all sports are like that. It's like, like 20 teenagers. to 30. And tennis even, like now when I even watch, I always used to think tennis players were like really old, like in their 40s, like professional tennis players. No. And when did tennis get cool? Dude, my parents are really into tennis. My mom loves tennis. And they played into their like 70s. And then I was like, you know, maybe, should we, maybe we should get into tennis because you can play tennis forever. Mm. I don't know. I don't know when tennis got cool. Well, I was just, it was like the, what's the big competition called? Was it the US, the US Open, Open that just happened? Yeah. Uh -huh. I was watching the some clips from this uh -huh. and like the people that were playing were like you say young, but also they were cool. Like Yeah. I feel like when I thought of tennis players before, it was like tall, scrawny dudes that were kind of old right. and European. Yeah. That were like baggy clothes with headbands. But they were yeah. all like sweatband on the on their racket hands, <laughs> like tall socks and a compression sleeve. Yeah. And they looked like professional athletes. Yeah. I don't yeah, I don't know. I think tennis is an interesting sport. Tennis is an interesting sport because it's an individual sport. You don't have a team. Mm. So it's a lot of, I think it's a lot of pressure. Yeah. Have you ever played pickleball? No, you've asked me that before. Pickleball is, I explain it to people like this. Most everybody can play ping pong. Mm -hmm. um, unless you've like never played any sports, it's hard to pick up ping pong. Mm -hmm. And pickleball is the same. Anybody can play it pretty well from the beginning. But not everybody can play tennis. Right. Like when you play tennis, you have to know how to play tennis. Mm -hmm. And you kind of have to be a tennis person. Right. But pickleball, anybody can play it, but it's fun because it's on a bigger size court. What like is the tennis. ball like? Is it's it, a I, wiffle ball. I, I was going to say, I imagine like a wiffle ball. It Does is it a wiffle have ball. holes in it? Yep. Oh. It, it is like a, the one you hit in PE class oh. when you played whatever wiffle ball. What is it called? Is that it's just called wiffle, wiffle ball. ball? Yeah, I think so. Uh, it's that ball, mm -hmm. yeah, and it's paddles and the paddles like, are bigger though, like sort of like a ping pong. Oh, correct, than a ping pong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. they're like between tennis and ping pong. Mm. Okay, but pickleball is another one that's like popular and cool, and everybody that plays it has swag. Yeah, um, like pickleball swag. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's not like <laughs> it's not like tennis. It's not like. Do you have a bag? Do you have like a? I think you have a bag, uh -uh. but. Uh, it's like what all the kids are playing nowadays. Mm -hmm. uh, me and Kama played a couple times. Yeah. Once, twice. Just once, I think, so far. Yeah, we got to go again. And maybe you should come with us. Yeah. It's fun. I'll come play pickleball. The culture with pickleball is doubles is the way. Like, yeah. most competitions, I mean, there's singles competitions. In fact, I think when you go to a pickleball tournament, you play singles. Um, and then whatever your gender doubles are, and then mixed doubles. Mm -hmm. So, for example, I'm a man. I would play men's individual, men's doubles, and a mixed. So you, in mixed a tournament, you play all three. You would play all three. I think yeah. that's what most people do. Like so, if, but if you were to go to local pickleball courts and there was like a club or whatever, 
there would be nobody playing singles. Everybody plays doubles. Yeah. And it's just like the fun thing to do, I think. Yeah. I've only played doubles a handful of times. I've mostly played singles, and I don't really like playing doubles that much, to be honest with you. Like, I feel like it's more fun by yourself. Is the court, so you know, uh, this might not be right, actually, but when you play singles in tennis, isn't the court a little bit smaller? I have no idea. I don't think so. Is there, like, a rule with, like, I think the rules might be a little different. It could be. Uh, or I'm the, just really showing how much little, how little I know about tennis. <laughs> well, I just know that, I know what you're saying in the sense of like the markings on the court. Yeah. Um, I don't know if it changes based off, I don't think it does change based off of singles. So pickleball, well, my question was pickleball, you're, and when you're an individual. Playing it's individual, the same, it's the same. yeah. It's always the same. Um, it's a lot harder. I was going to say it's a lot harder. For sure. And pickleball is more, there's less back and forth and more side to side than you think. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes... Uh, you don't really realize, especially when you start learning how to play, how open the court is mm -hmm. because people will just literally like hit it diagonally across and you can't really do anything about it instead of like back towards you. Mm -hmm. But anyways. Interesting. Um, I wanted to talk to you about this. Um, before I ask it, what is your job? <laughs> um, I deliver babies. Deliver babies. Night Labor shift. delivery nurse. Yeah, night shift. Well... I should clarify for all the nurses out there that will probably argue that I actually work night shift. So I work 3 p.m. to 3 a.m., which is an unusual nursing shift these days. Most of the time, hospitals just do 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. or 7 p.m. to 7 a.m. We have the luxury on our unit of having, we actually have four shifts. So we have people that come in at 7 a.m., at 3 p.m., at 7 p.m., and at 3 a.m., which makes it a total nightmare for the people who do our <laughs> schedule. Um, and they Does it always overlap? It, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds horrible. Mm -hmm. So for me, my schedule is the same all the time. I always work 3 p.m. to 3 a.m., which in terms when you're talking about night shift is a little bit better than the people that have to come in at 7 p.m. and work until 7 a.m. That shift is a little... More night shift. More night shift. Yeah, as somebody no, who has ran through the night before, yeah. I would rather run from 3 p.m. to 3 a.m. than 7 p.m. to 7 a.m. Yes, yes. And I can imagine it probably feels the same. Yeah, sometime. and I definitely feel like I, like they, they work the night shift. You feel like you harder don't. than yeah, I do. I see. I don't feel like I don't, because I definitely feel like I just worked three night shifts right now. <laughs> but, mm. but I, um, I mean, 7 p.m. to 7 a.m. is hard. The other thing that is difficult is those people that come relieve me at 3 a.m. So they get up at 1.30 or 2 in the morning and come to work at 3 a.m. Mm. And then they work until 3 p.m. I don't really have that much sympathy for those people. Okay. I wake up like I, 4 I every you, morning. You know what? I agree with that. I would rather sleep and then wake up and then go. Yeah. Because like that's the hard thing, right, is you wake up at like 11. Mm -hmm. yep. Like you, get, you finish work and then you go to sleep. Yep. Most people wake up and go to work. Yes, correct. I would say. And I think I would rather do that. Wake up, go to work, and then after work, do what I want to do. Okay. Yep, I see what you're saying. The problem with that 3 a.m. to 3 p.m., you get home and you're so tired. Yeah, I would imagine. I, I worked that shift for a little, for a little while. Um, probably, I actually rotated that, that shift with a 3 p.m. shift, which was m totally miserable and my body was so screwed up. But um, if you start at 3 a.m., you get home at 3 p.m. If you even sit down for a second on the couch, you're done. I would fall asleep at 4.30 in the afternoon, wake up at 
8 p.m. wonder where I was because you just have this like weird nap and it's still the same day and it feels like the longest day ever and then you eat like a bowl of cereal and go to bed and do it again but yeah you take a nap to get ready for bed you're right mm -hmm. when I this past weekend I did a an aid station at a hundred miler uh -huh. uh, I hosted the aid station so I was like helping all the runners they came through from the first runner we saw was 12 30 p.m and the last runner was just past 6 30 a.m so like I stayed up all night I got an hour of sleep or so from 7 30 Sorry, from like 6.30 to like 7.30 or 8 or something like that. P.M. or A.M.? Uh, A.M. Mm -hmm. And then we had another bout of runners for a separate race, the 100K, from 10.30 A.M. until 3.30 P.M. It was raining on us the whole weekend. It was horrible. We packed everything up. We got back. I got home. I took a shower. I ate a bowl of chili. And then it was like 7 P.M. I literally, as soon as my head hit the pillow, I fell asleep. And I woke up at 7 A.M. the next morning. So it was like 12 hours straight. But did you feel rested or did you still feel a little tired? No, I felt horrible. Right, yeah. Yeah, you have to, it takes like two days At least. to recover mm -hmm. from a one all-nighter. Yeah. At least, you're right, at least. Yeah. When I did my 100 miler, I, I started running 6 p.m. on Saturday, sorry, on Friday, mm -hmm. 6 p.m. on Friday. Okay. And I finished at 4 a.m. on Sunday. Mm -hmm. And I, I went straight through. I got a handful of five-minute naps in there somewhere. And I got home. Obviously, I'd also just run 100 miles, so right. like my body was... tired, exhausted. Yeah, and like destroyed. To say it lightly, <laughs> exhausted. Yeah. Like I, I had to be bathed. I couldn't bathe yeah. myself. Yeah. Um, that's embarrassing to be bathed. <laughs> but You'll experience that yeah, again when you're old. Yeah, just so anybody knows, if you think it's like cool to run 100 miles, just <laughs> recognize that somebody probably had to bathe you, the person who did it afterwards. <laughs> Like, to just picture that. Um, but anyways, I, I fell asleep from like, uh, I can't remember when I got home. Probably like 5.30 is when I got home and was bathed and went to sleep. I woke up at like 11 and then I just like couldn't sleep. Mm -hmm. And so then I sat on my recliner and I was like in and out of consciousness all day. And then I fell asleep again that night whenever I did. Got mm -hmm. probably six hours just because you don't sleep great again. Right. But then it wasn't until like the third night after that I finally... Mm -hmm fell asleep actually my whoop I was wearing a whoop at the time and it didn't even register as me sleeping until like two days after as well yeah like I didn't get a sleep score so that happens to me so I obviously I'm wearing a whoop I I know you're no longer team whoop but we can talk about that um but sometimes if I go to bed at four the later it is the worse it is like it and it won't register a score for me mm. <clears throat> it won't even pick up like I'll look at the, my heart rate trend overnight and it's like it doesn't even pick up a heart rate at all. It just, it's like it's confused. I thought about messaging them about that because they, I mean, they even have, um, they did a podcast about night shift and shift work and sleep and all that stuff. And I'm like, you guys should have figured this. There should be some kind of something you can plug in there to say, hey, I work night shift. Like, Yeah, or at least figure it out for right. you. Like yeah. based off of your routine. I keep saying I'm going to message him about it. It's like, oh, this person you. keeps pulling an all-nighter every third day. Right. Why, <laughs> why does that keep happening? Right. Uh, actually, I have, that was something I wanted to talk to you about. I had uh, Dr. Jeff Dyke on the show. Uh, I can't remember what episode it was. It was one of the earlier ones, but he studies sleep research. I know we talked about that in person afterwards, but mm -hmm. uh, International Agency for Research into Cancer has classified night shift work as Category 2A uh, which means probably a carcinogen, mm -hmm. which, and when I talked to Jeff, he was 
saying that they do classify it as a carcinogen. Yeah. Among other things too, like working night shift also connected to type two diabetes, heart disease, stroke, metabolic disorders, sleep disorders, which I think is probably pretty obvious. But right. is that something that you think about a lot? <laughs> I try not to think about it a lot um, because obviously I choose to work night shift and we can talk all about the culture of night shift and nursing and all that. But I think when I do think about it, I try to justify it with all the good things that I do mm. or try to balance it out as much as I can. Um, eating as healthy as I can, going to the gym, supplements, sleeping. Um, there's all kinds of research out there about ways to counteract the negative of night shift. And, you know, they talk about wearing um, blue light glasses at night, which is, you know, kind of silly if I just throw some glasses on it <laughs> at midnight at work. But I mean, whatever, you know. You if look it, cool. If it, yeah, I guess. Aren't they like orange though? Uh, I think it depends on what you get. Oh, okay. There was, we have some um, anesthesiologists actually that wear them because they're in ORs a lot at nighttime. Are theirs orange? Yeah. That's why I asked if they're orange. Um, but they're in, they're in an OR with like really bright lights at mm, two yeah. o'clock in the morning, yeah. you know, so they probably should. I mean, we have the luxury of turning the lights down or dimming them on the unit and stuff. And I've always thought it was weird when people who don't need to wear glasses wear glasses. I read something recently. Oh, I think it was some, it was a meme or something. And it said, um, it's funny how when people wear glasses, you automatically think that they're smarter, but really you had to like fail a test in order to get those glasses. <laughs> That's true. It, right. Yeah. And so why, I don't know. I think people wear them because they think they look cool. Well, I remember when I got my glasses and like, I think it was fifth grade. It was fifth grade. Cause I remember my teacher's name. I won't say it on here. Okay. Um, but I, I sat down in class and I was constantly like taking them on and off because I needed them to read the board, but I hated the fact that I was wearing glasses now. And in the front of the whole class, my teacher, like, I didn't even know she was paying attention to me. She was just like, Joel, either leave your glasses on or take them off. And I was like, okay. And I just like put them on. And then I felt horrible for like weeks about it. Um, Did you think that, didn't that give you a headache? Taking them on well, and off. Your eyes probably weren't that bad at the time. No, I mean, they're still like the same, but I have grown accustomed to my face with glasses. Oh. I also probably was wearing horrible, like mm -hmm. rectangle frames with like red and black stripes or something on it. Flames on the side. Yeah, yeah, what you, what you wear when you're 12. Right. <clears throat> um, but I've always felt like since I've grown to like glasses, I honestly do prefer how I look with glasses than without them. Mm -hmm. But if you wear glasses to look better, and you don't need them. Like, I feel like looking better with glasses is a right that's reserved for people that need them. That's an interesting thought. I, I need them, so I've never been in a position to wear glasses. Do you wear contacts? I do wear contacts, yeah. Um, most all the time. The only time I wear my glasses is at nighttime when I take my contacts out. I don't, I don't dislike the way I look with glasses. I just prefer to wear contacts. But I've never been in a position to wear glasses that I didn't need. I see. Yeah. So I don't know how that would. Yeah, it's fine. It's like an ego thing. Yeah, I think that's kind of how I think of it. Yeah. But it's probably not that serious. It's definitely not that serious. <laughs> um, something that I also wanted to say with you too with this was with the sleep stuff, what doesn't make sense to me is Jeff Dyke said that 
people in populations who can return to a normal sleep schedule mm -hmm. don't seem to show the same signs of negative effects if people who just like continue to not sleep, which makes no sense to me. Like how could you spend your whole career working night shift and not getting great sleep and then, oh, I'm 60, I'm gonna retire. And then you start sleeping well and then all of a sudden it fixes all that stuff. Is that really what he said? He, that's what he, uh, I, I shouldn't say that's that. That's interesting. It, the, the I way mean, I'm not saying it, it's not, yeah. The way that he worded it was, it seems like those populations that can return to a normal sleep schedule don't demonstrate any of the negative effects. I would think that they would demonstrate some of the negative effects, but also can you attribute it to their lack of sleep or, or is it something else, you know, their heart disease or diabetes, is that related to gene, their genetic makeup for, more so than their lack of sleep for 30 years or whatever? Yeah, I think that I posted this on threads the other day. Um, <laughs> it, it was so poetic. It just was everything, uh, hold on, what was it? Everything all together, all at once. That was the line. Okay. And what I meant by it was, I don't know, just when I have conversations with these people, I talk to this guy about sleep and this guy about strength training and this person about death anxiety. And um, there's a lot of variables that we, you know, when you get asked the question, how do you optimize your sleep? It's like, you do this, 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 right. this. Yeah. But then you ask questions like, well, in my life, um, I have to work this job and I have to go to jujitsu at this time. So I can't, I can't get that many hours of sleep because I got to wake up at this time. Yeah. And then they're like, oh, well, then in your case, you do this or whatever. Mm -hmm. And so the whole point of that was just like, I think there's so many variables and so many things that we all have to do and there's no way to say what one thing is more important than the other. Mm -hmm. It's everything all together all at once. Mm -hmm. And then that's your life and then you die. The one thing that they say to help is to keep that same schedule. For sleep? Yeah. Yeah, like always go to bed and wake up at the same time if you can. Right, but that is so difficult because I mean a lot of times I'm only sleeping from 4 a.m. to 10.30 a.m. I think, I think what they would probably say to you is wake up at the same time. But go to bed at like midnight? Yeah. Yeah. What time do you wake up? Like, like that would be, that would, even that would be hard though. Like waking up at 10 every day? Well, right, because if I go to bed at midnight, I'm probably gonna naturally wake up around eight o'clock. Yeah. Eight or nine, which is fine. But really, so, so this is some advice that I don't follow because like, so I just worked Monday, to, Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night, it's Thursday. I will probably be so tired tonight, I will go to bed at like 8 p.m. and I won't wake up till 8 a.m. or later probably. And then tomorrow, does, is it like no, more normal? Like you More normal, but that's kind of what I was getting at when you said you slept and I asked you how you felt when you woke up and you were like terrible. Yeah, yeah so like you still don't feel good tomorrow. And then by tomorrow night, I'll go to bed probably 10 o'clock, a little bit later, and then wake up, and then Saturday I'll feel, I'll feel normal again. I don't think that I could work a job like that. Like, to be honest with you, when I did my 100 miler, the thought of staying up through one night mm -hmm. was so horrifying to me that I was almost like too afraid to do it. Yeah. Like, I couldn't imagine doing that three days every week. The, the good thing about, now, I say this 
lightly because some people do, well, it's, they do take home their, a lot of stuff that they see in the hospital or so that's different. But it's not like, a, it's not a job where you, you go home and you still have to like send emails and mm. you know what I mean? Like when you're home, you're, you're not, you're not at the hospital anymore. Like you are free of whatever responsibility you have from work until you have to go back. Like all your responsibility lies in that building. Unless you're on call. Yes. Which we can talk about too, because we take a lot of call as well. Um, but it's easy. It's easier in my mind. Like I think sometimes about having a job where like I, I wouldn't be able to leave it. Like I had to go home and then I had to send emails and I had to, you know, finish up a project or whatever. And that almost feels like homework to me. And I hate homework. I've always hated homework. I don't like that thought. So that makes sense. Yeah. I've been writing more recently, and that is something that I feel a lot. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I'm like doing it. I'm like, this feels like homework. This sucks. Uh, right? Yeah. I hate homework. I hate it. I've always hated it. And I'm glad I don't have... I mean, we are on call. So we take 24 hours of call, 28 hours of call, actually, every six weeks. And that is in four-hour blocks. So you take four-hour slots, and you can take them whenever. It's, an int it's like a, it's a battle. So it's online to sign up for your call and they like release it at a certain time and then all 95 of us are on the same website at the same time trying to like grab all these call slots. Are there specific times that like don't get taken very often? Yeah, usually 3 a.m. to 7 a.m. Okay. Or 11 p.m. to 3 a.m. I, if I'm on call, so I do try to be careful since I am up till 4 a.m. three nights a week. I do try to not take my call past 11 p.m. so that I can at least know, okay, I'll get, the latest I'll be up is midnight. How horrifying would that be to have to wake up at 11 o'clock and go to work? So <laughs> I, I tell people this all the time. I truly think going into work at 11 p.m. is the worst time. I would rather go in at 3 a.m. than go in yeah, at Yeah, I would too. Yep. It's terrible because you, especially if you didn't work at all or if you didn't work the night before, you literally just stay up all day to wait to go to work. And if you take a nap, like if you go to bed at 8 p.m., then you're just really tired because then you have to wake up literally in the middle of your sleep and go to work for four hours and then come back home. Yeah. Terrible. I'd rather try to go to sleep at 8 p.m., wake up at 3 a.m. or with 2 a.m. and go to work at 3 a.m. That's better. Yeah. I would agree. Yeah. Uh, I've been looking forward to this all day. We're about to talk about something that could get us canceled. Um, <laughs> okay. You... When did you start doing CrossFit? Like a year ago? Mm -hmm. That's crazy. Just, I, I was thinking about that the other day. It feels like I started last week. Yeah, I would agree. How long is it going to feel like that? I feel like I've known you simultaneously forever, but no time at all. Yeah, it's really weird. I was there the other day and I thought, gosh, it's almost been a year. And I feel like I just stepped into this gym last week. Like, yeah. Does it always feel like that? Mm, I don't know. Okay. I, I'm, I'm only like four years in and I feel like I've been there my entire life. Okay. That's because I have to coach you people. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you people. You've been exercising for a long time though, right? Yes, yes. You're a lifelong exor exerciser. Yes, you could say that. But anyways, uh, CrossFit drama is always funny to me. Um, I'm, I've said it before on the show. I'm like an anti-CrossFit CrossFit coach mm -hmm. is what I say. I didn't realize that that was like a thing. Like, you know, the anti whatever, like the anti-social social club, like the t-shirts that say that I'm the anti-crossfit crossfit coach. Do you need a t-shirt? I would like a t-shirt. I feel like you're a t big t-shirt guy. You're always saying, I need a, I need a t-shirt. We should make a t-shirt. 
Yeah, I do say that a lot. <laughs> um, but CrossFit news, uh, in a CrossFit gym, there are barbells that weigh 35 pounds and there are barbells that weigh 45 pounds. Typically, uh, the barbells that are 35 pounds, women use, and the 45-pound ones, men use. There was an article put out on Morning Chalk Up, which is, I, don't, I think I would hardly call it a news source for CrossFit. I'm pretty sure they do like everything AI generated. I don't know if that's true, but I think I've heard that somewhere. Um, but anyways, they put it out. There's an article. I forget the lady's name. It's in here somewhere. I'll read it at some point during this monologue. But she was pretty much vouching that the gender roles for barbells and weights is silly and we should stop doing that. Um, I want to talk to you about it for a number of reasons. I'm a stupid man, so um, <laughs> my opinion is probably going to be a little convoluted in that sense, but I also have a different opinion on it because of the fact that I'm a CrossFit coach and I train people. I also have a lot of understanding of why a lot of this stuff is in place, mm -hmm. and I'll talk about that. Yeah. Um, because I honestly think that this person who said these things just doesn't know where these things came from. Yeah. Um, but I'm going to start by reading some of the article. Okay. Uh, it, it goes, if you ever stepped a nano-clad foot in a CrossFit box, that's another one of the things I hate about CrossFit, it's just called a gym. Um, I've always thought that was weird, but anyway. Yeah, there's just a lot of, this is one of the reasons why, and I'll get back to the article. It's just there's so much gatekeeping in CrossFit and yeah. it drives me crazy. Yeah. Um, odds are you've heard the 35-pound or 15-kilogram barbell called a woman's barbell and a 45-pound, 20-kilogram barbell called a men's barbell. But gendering a barbell is not only inaccurate, it's also just plain silly. That's why activist and the owner of Rocket Community Fitness, Alyssa Royce, urges CrossFit box owners and coaches to designate barbells and prescribe weights in different, actually helpful ways. This is in quotes. Barbells don't have genders, they have weights, she explains. Ditto goes for plates, kettlebells, and dumbbells. People of any gender can use any weight barbell, so long as they have the requisite strength to move it well and safely, she says. There's more, but I'm going to talk about that for a sec. Okay. Have you ever given any thought to this, by the way? No, not, a, not one second of thought. Okay. Yep. Uh, the main thing that I have with it is, so basically what the premise of this argument is, is when you pick up a kettlebell, you go, this is... 12 kilograms or 16 kilograms or pood, which is a Russian unit of measurement. Um, like that's what all the ones at the gym are like 1.5 pood okay. is a uh, 53. What is that word you're saying? P O O D. Okay. Pood. I can't remember. It's like uh, one pood is the 12 point something kilograms came in as checking for I was going to say, <laughs> I don't think I've ever even heard of that unit of measurement. 60.3. Okay. 16.39 kilograms per one pood. My point stands, when you pick up a kettlebell, 16 kilograms, or when you pick up a, a plate, 45 pounds, or mm -hmm. 20 kilograms. And her argument is, why don't we just say that's the 30 pound barbell, 35 pound barbell, or a 45 pound barbell, or a 15 kilogram barbell, or a 20 kilogram barbell. Mm -hmm. Technically, that's also wrong. If it was 20 kilograms, it would be 44 pounds, and if it was 15 kilograms, it would be 33 pounds. And the reason why I bring that up is because that is the problem. This comes from weightlifting, the sport of weightlifting. What most people know as Olympic weightlifting, mm -hmm. what people in CrossFit know as Olympic weightlifting. And the only reason we use barbells, not just in CrossFit, but in commercial gyms, is because of Olympic weightlifting. Mm -hmm. um, 
I don't know why it's called Olympic weightlifting. It's just weightlifting. Um, I've heard people make the argument of like, you don't say Olympic swimming or Olympic track and field. You say swimming or track and right, field. Right. It's the same. But the snatch and the clean and jerk, who can lift the most weight? And the reason why the 15 kilogram barbell is a women's barbell and the 20 kilogram barbell is a men's barbell is because those are the barbells that they use in the competition. And it's not because women need a lighter weight and men need a heavier weight. It is 100% due to the diameter of the barbell. Mm -hmm. So the men's barbell is thicker, the female barbell is smaller mm -hmm. because generally women's hands tend to be smaller than men's hands. hands. And that's what it comes from. Mm -hmm. And so I'm not saying it's right or wrong to call it whatever you want, but the reason why it's gendered, quote unquote, is because there is a standard that needs to be met in sports for the competition to be fair. Mm -hmm. um, and those barbells are designated for those specific gender categories in a competition. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so no, I mean, that mentions how it's silly that we gender barbells. I don't think we're gendering, I don't think we're giving these barbells genders. I think it is just the fact that you could put, I guess my point is you could use a 45 pound bar and put weights on the ends of it and you could put use a 30 pound and you could put high, heavier weights on the ends of a 35 pound bar and that 35 pound bar could all of a sudden be heavier than whatever weight you put on the 45 pound bar. It doesn't, it's not about genders. It's, I, I read this article and it, I was thinking it's just easier for a woman to hold a thinner barbell. It, I don't think this even has anything to do with the weight of the barbell. Yeah. And, uh, to that point, like a trainer bar is 15 pounds usually. Right. Typically, children use that bar. Right. So like, <laughs> I would say that to somebody. You're, you're using a child's barbell right now. Which would be more offensive than... Yeah, but also it's like, who cares? Right, That's yes. That's the level that you're at. Right. And, and I'm on board with this 100% in terms of like, it doesn't matter if you're a man or a woman, which no. one you use. No. Like I had a guy use a women's know. barbell the other day just because it was... I wanted him to lift 35 pounds and it was easier for him to just grab that right. than to grab a trainer bar and put tens on the side. But she's trying to make it seem like he would be offended by that because you, because not you in particular, but in general that we, we CrossFit refers to that as a woman's bar. And she's trying to move away from that so that individual doesn't feel offended by the fact that you've asked him to use a, a woman's bar. I That's see. just silly. Yeah, <laughs> I would agree. And uh, I think the point stands too. I honestly just think that this lady probably doesn't realize where it comes from. It's like I have this weird thing in me that is like I need to be honorable and, or I need to be respectful and, um, mm -hmm. and have empathy towards other people. But it's like the martial artist in me that's like honor and respect where the stuff came from. Right. And it feels very much like that to me. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying by... I'm going to put, put my flag on this hill and say, <laughs> I will refuse to say 35 or 45 pound barbell to honor right. weightlifting as a sport. But like as a fan of weightlifting specifically, and as somebody who thinks that at times we mess weightlifting up in CrossFit, right. it's, uh, it, it makes perfect sense to me that this is a convoluted conversation, yeah. probably from a, a side of ignorance of not knowing about, much about the sport of weightlifting in general. The, I did read this article, and a lot of it, um, it very briefly mentions the actual diameter of the barbell, which I think is way more important in this conversation than 
the weight of the barbell. Yeah. And I think she totally missed the I had a conversation with a client. I was kind of talking to her about this. Or she actually brought it up to me. She saw it. And I told her that. Mm -hmm. And she was like, oh, I didn't even know the diameter was different. Like, she's like, that makes way more sense. Correct. Um, Not to say that a woman can't have big, burly, calloused hands. (laughs) But... (laughs) But typically, and especially like in the sporting context, uh, it needs to be smaller. Is the, um, this was a question I had for you, is the length of the barbell any different? So the, the sleeve where you put the plates yeah. is smaller, but okay. the actual bar, like between the sleeves, is the same length. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like if you, if when you see them propped up, technically, mm-hmm. like the women's barbells look shorter, Correct. it is shorter, but it's because of the sleeve length, not the actual bar length. So the length in between the sleeves is exactly It's the same. same. Yes. I think, too, something I thought about when I was reading this is, I mean, just in general, like a a male structure is larger than a female structure. That's just, in general, that is just Yeah, well, it's silly to say that it's not different. But that's where I'm going. Like, so she's kind of implying that somebody would be offended. Yeah. This brings up... It's just just kind of... Like science in my head. Yeah, it's science. Uh, <laughs> this brings up the next part of the conversation. It kind of flows nicely. She says, calling the heavier 45 barbell a men's barbell and the lighter 35 pound barbell, the women's barbell suggests that all men are stronger than all women. Anyone who has ever stepped foot into a CrossFit box knows that there are absolutely women in a CrossFit class who outlift men in CrossFit in a CrossFit class. My daughter, for example, can outlift my husband any day of the week. So at the beginning, I was like chalked it up to not really connecting it to the sport. And then I read the second part and it makes me like, oh, sort of have more of a distaste in my mouth in the sense of she made the connection of by calling it a men and women's barbell, it suggests that men are stronger than women. Like she made that connection. Correct. Like to your point earlier, what if the woman puts 10 pound plates on each side? Mm-hmm. Like, oh, now it's heavier. Right. The other comment too that just is weird to me is of course women outlift men sometimes in CrossFit classes. For sure. It just depends on where, where they are at. in their exactly. fitness and strength journey. Exactly. And I also think it's important to point out that outlift and strength are two different things mm-hmm. because especially when it comes to weightlifting, there's like such a technical component of right. it that it's a different metric than strength. Just because you can clean a certain weight doesn't mean you're a certain strength. Correct. There's so much technique involved that could allow somebody who was possibly stronger. Yes. And and there's people who can deadlift near 1,000 pounds and they can't clean over 200 because their lats, their elbow hits their lat when they Mm -hmm. move their arm behind their head Mm because they're that, that big. Speaking of deadlifting in this conversation, something else I thought about, I don't remember who it was, but somebody at the gym told me they use a it was a, a female and they told me they use a men's bar. Here we go. We're genderizing these, these bars, but to, to deadlift. And I can't remember why. Yeah. Some people would like how, like the diameter of it yeah. better. Um, to that point, I know a lot of uh, females who use the 45 pound bar for back squatting because it sits better on the traps. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But like, that's the other thing too. It's like, Nobody's just use batting. whatever you want. Well, right. Yes. And I think her article kind of leads to, I don't think there's any woman that would feel offended that they're using a, a heavier barbell. 
or admit. Yeah. You know what I mean? And there's really, in reality, no sensible man that would be upset that he was using a woman's barbell. But I think she maybe implies that a little bit. Yeah. Which there, there might be. I would yeah. say there's probably more men that would be upset that they're using a women's barbell right. than a woman using a man's barbell or whatever. You could, I mean, what if the men's barbell was blue and the women's barbell was pink? Yeah, that would be weird. <laughs> it would be weird, but like, do you think that they would be more, like, less inclined to use a pink barbell? I mean, this, this one seems no, so silly. Like, yeah, yeah. Well, what I'm saying is, like, by that, like, it would be more messed up to start painting all of the <laughs> men's barbells blue. <laughs> yeah. Like, there would probably be something wrong with that. But I see what your point is. Yeah. It doesn't matter. It doesn't. It, yeah. I mean, this whole thing is silly. It almost feels just kind of like attention grabbing, which she got. Sure got some attention. Yeah, we're talking about it. A lot of people have yeah. talked about it, actually. Yeah. Anything you want to talk about gender and <laughs> no. further? You want to continue? I want your podcast to continue. I don't want you to get canceled. Um, this one is kind of very, kind of very interesting. Middle-aged Americans are using marijuana, binge drinking at record levels. I could not believe the percentages on this. Okay. Let's hear them. And maybe I'm just naive, but binge drinking and marijuana use have reached historically high levels among U.S. adults aged 35 to 50 from U.S. National Institutes of Health. Nearly 30% admitting to binge drinking in 2022. I could believe that. But marijuana use is also approaching 30% use in that same age, age uh, population, 35 to 50. That blew my mind. That seems really? like a lot. Mm. I don't know if that, that means one me. of us in this room. There's three of us. <laughs> I don't think it necessarily surprises me. Really? Yeah. I think marijuana was such a taboo under the cover topic because it's, it was illegal. It's still illegal. I'm not going to, I don't know the specifics on, and I know you just did a whole podcast on marijuana, but I think there were, a lot of those people are just now more comfortable admitting that they use marijuana. They do it. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I, and again, <clears throat> the validity of some of these studies is, I have no idea. I read an article and mm-hmm. that's what I pulled from it. But that just seemed very high to me. And like when I was in high school, I knew a lot of people that smoked weed. And, mm-hmm. But that's high school. And then you get, I guess in my mind, it's just like you get to the adult world and it's going to be different, but it's not. Everybody's the same. I but, think more adults use marijuana than... Yeah, probably. Yeah, than you, than you realize. Yeah, and I guess it's just not a conversation that you have with people, so right. it's not at the forefront of your mind. Exactly. A lot of people still don't. And I think it's becoming more of a more comfortable topic for people to talk about. But again, it you know is illegal, so people aren't just going to walk around being like... Yeah, and the laws are so convoluted that it's like nobody knows what they can say right. or can't say. Exactly. Like, I don't even know what you can do or you can't do, especially... I think it was a certain way a couple of years ago in Virginia, right. and then we like changed governors, and now it's. I t- heard taking steps thing. back. Yeah, I I don't, I don't. I have no idea. This one's crazy. Hallucinogens like LSD, psilocybin, and PCP, among others, are up from three percent in 2012 usage in the same category. Or sorry, this this was 19 to 30 year olds, but are up from three percent in 2012 to eight percent in 2022. I think. And I don't know, again, I am no expert on this topic either. Um, They are starting to study 
a lot more psychedelics in terms of treating like microdosing psychedelics mm. to treat mental illnesses, anxiety, depression, whatever. Um, microdosing, meaning you're taking it in such small amounts, you're not necessarily getting those huge psychedelic effects from it, but it can still have a positive effect on mood and yeah. behavior and all that. Um, I do know people who do that. Yeah, I think it's, I have no problem with that. I think it's great. I think it, yeah, yeah. if it's helpful and I don't know if this article is referencing LS, like people are doing LSD in terms of like, <laughs> you walk the, down the street the 60s and there's people or 70s just like tripping and, on acid. Right, like I, don't, I don't think that that's true. Right. So I don't know what level these people who said, yeah, they're using yeah. it or are using it. But yeah, like in that 8%, is it people that are yeah. full on like tripping balls, like <laughs> right. talking to a monkey in the sky? Yeah. Uh, I mean, and or, I'm sure some of them are. Probably. Or is it, or does that percentage include the people who are microdosing and doing right. that sort of thing? Yeah. I know a lot of people in the fitness space that like microdose and. Interesting. Yeah, it's just for what reason? Uh, all of the health benefits that you went through. I'm, I'm again. This is a conversation that I'm pretty ignorant to. Yeah. Um, both marijuana and just pretty much drugs. I'm, I'm ignorant to. Same. I find uh, it interesting though. Yeah, I find it interesting, and I would love to talk to more people about it. Yeah. Uh, just from like a curiosity perspective, but I do know that psychedelics are profoundly impactful on people's overall well-being mm -hmm. and you know studies done on people who are have terminal illnesses that right. have used it to sort of cope with that right microdosing well. yeah I, and i know from like personal accounts too that microdosing is, has had profound impact on on certain people's lives mm -hmm. yeah and i think that's why they're starting to study it more and just like marijuana i think people are coming to realize i mean think about alcohol alcohol is a terrible yeah, it's horrible for you. Terrible for you. And I've, uh, I'm 10 months into no alcohol, and I feel yeah, the best I've ever had my whole life. Yeah. I don't drink a ton. I kind of am one of those people that I can go, if I don't have any event I'm going to or any kind of like, if, some, if nobody's like, hey, you want to go grab a drink, like, I will, but yeah. I don't, you know, I don't need to, or it's not something that I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't wait till the weekend. We, we're going to, you know. Yeah. But I'm I think that's excited also just to my age and introduce it back life. into my routine. I was going to ask you, do you Is plan on interest? Interesting yeah, like I'm going to do a Q&A of like I went a year without alcohol, uh -huh. ask me questions on podcasts, uh -huh. and I'll probably have a drink when I do it. <laughs> to me, it's no doubt the, the impact of not drinking uh, has been insanely beneficial for me. Uh -huh. I started doing it... Last year when I was prepping for my 100 miler, uh, so towards the beginning of last year, I, I probably had like two nights a week I would have a drink or a couple. Mm -hmm. It would be like one day of the week I would have it with dinner and then on the weekend I would have a couple drinks. Mm -hmm. um, and nothing was really wrong. I just didn't feel great all the time and was a bit sluggish and wasn't really progressing with my fitness how I wanted to. Mm -hmm. And so then two months out from my 100 miler, which was in September, I said, I'm going to stop mm -hmm. until my race. I think I had one glass of wine in like an eight-week period uh, before my run. But I did the race, and then I just sort of didn't really think about it. I went back to a drink, maybe two a week. And then 
I didn't really have any big goals set for myself this year. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't know that I wanted to do a podcast. You know, all the stuff I didn't, I didn't really have it in my mind. And so at the beginning of the year, I was like, I should set like a New Year's resolution mm-hmm. and I'll just kind of see what happens. I did dry January with a friend and then I thought, oh, I could do this for the whole year. So then I've sort of stuck to it. Uh, I just miss having like a rum and coke when I am by myself and I'm mm-hmm. watching like MMA. Like that was a, one of my favorite things to do was mm-hmm. watch UFC card and just like drink a rum and coke mm-hmm. and then have nobody to bother me. <laughs> and so I'll probably drink like four or five times next year. Like not that much. Because, while you watch MMA. Yeah, while I watch MMA. Uh-huh. And at other special occasions and things like that. But yeah. it's just, um, I have seen the benefits and know they're too great to yeah. introduce it back in. And the way that I was, not that I had a problem, but in the way right. that I was doing it before, it just wasn't good for me. Yeah. I, because of the whoop and also just how I feel, I already don't get great sleep. And the impacts of alcohol on your sleep are terrible. Yeah. And so it's something that I always keep in the back of my mind. And also I get really bad anxiety if I drank the day before, my anxiety is terrible the next day. And actually, um, Andrew Huberman, I don't know if you listened to his, he did a whole podcast on alcohol. Anyway, it was fascinating. Um, but he talks about that kind of like anxiety is what he calls it. Just that hangover anxiety. And, um, that's a terrible feeling. And I just, when I do drink, I'm very conscious of the fact that I either try to really hydrate or try to make sure I'm not drinking anything that's really going to make me feel terrible the next day or I'm very conscious of what I'm drinking when I'm drinking it and I didn't used to be this way I used to just you know go out and what are we drinking tonight wine sure you know yeah and now it's like a very conscious choice to drink and what I'm drinking and just because I, I mean it's just not good for you and I'll say too the anxiety is like I think that a healthy dose and this is true of anything but can that stuff wouldn't happen and you would actually even relieve some of the anxiety and things like that that you're feeling from the day from a day-to-day perspective like having a drink a week or whatever and like using Mm -hmm. it to mellow out can for some people be super beneficial to their health and so it's just it's like the everything all together all at once sort right. of thing. It's a very small piece of the puzzle. And in fact, including alcohol right. could probably be beneficial for you given a certain instance. Like I do think that for me is true. Like sure. having a drink or two yeah. once a month mm-hmm. when I'm watching MMA right. is enough of a, re- like that's, that's six hours of yeah. 10 or 8 p.m. to 2 a.m. when I'm watching yeah. fighting. I see what you're and like saying. I'm holding my dog and yeah. we're, you know, we're leaning close to the TV. I, I wake up the next morning and maybe I'm tired, whatever, because I didn't sleep well, but that's enough like me time to reinvigorate all the other stuff that I have going on in my Mm -hmm. life. Yep. It's one of those things like, I don't, I don't like the idea of, um, alcohol is terrible and it's a poison and we should, you should never do it. Yeah. It's not, that's a little silly to me because that's like saying, I mean, there's so many things that we consume, not alcohol, foods, especially in this country that are, have literally probably poison in them. And, you know, like <laughs> microplastics, right? Like you can't like, if you ate an entire bag of Cheetos every night, like that's not good for you either. Right. So just, and 
you know, everything in moderation is very cliche. The dosage saying, makes but, the poison. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, it is a, a poison is a poison, but yeah, you know, everything kills you though. Yes. And if but to your point, you were saying like, you just can't, you, you weren't, who wants to live to 111 and have a miserable life, right? Like yeah. you need to enjoy life. And if that involves having a drink or two drinks or three drinks a week in the way you're saying it, you know, that I mean, go for it. I say this all the time and this is like, so not, um, trainer Joel of me to say this, like <laughs> this isn't, this isn't healthy behavior at all. And I say it as a joke, but I do mean this. Like I'll see a picture of like Matthew McConaughey sitting on the hood of a truck with like sweat covering him and his shirt's half unbuttoned. I know where this is going. And he's slicked his hair back and he's, he's smoking, smoking a, a cigarette. cigarette. Yep. And I'm like, that is the coolest shit I've ever seen in my entire life. Yeah. And That's just because it's Matthew McConaughey and he's pretty cool. Yeah. But you know, like to that point, sometimes you just need to smoke the cigarette and be cool for, for 15 seconds. That's your next thread. Yeah. Just smoke the cigarette. <laughs> and it's, uh, not for, don't do it for the health reasons, but if you're doing it because you want to be cool, that's okay. If that's yeah. what you want, smoke the cigarette. Yeah. Have you ever smoked a cigarette? I've never smoked a cigarette. I told, uh, I told somebody, I think I told my brother, I said, when I have a beer next year, when I, when I have alcohol again, I'll smoke a cigarette with him. Mm -hmm. I don't think I'm going to do that. <laughs> Does he smoke cigarettes? No, he doesn't. Oh, oh. We, we'll have like four cigars a year. Yeah. Okay. Um, you know, we're that kind of family and we have a couple of cigars on vacation Cigar and that's family. it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Funnily enough, I've had more cigars, I think this year than I've had in my, in any year ever in my life. Do you think that's cause you're not drinking? I don't know. We just had more than we typically did when I went on vacation this past mm -hmm. year. Uh, I probably had like three cigars on vacation. Mm -hmm. And so that puts my yearly total to like four already. I would bet I'll probably have one more by the end of the year. So yeah, five is a lot for me in a year. Yeah. I don't know if I've ever smoked a cigar. I have smoked a cigarette. I've smoked more than one cigarette. I was never a smoker, but. Mm. I've had people say that there's nothing better than a coffee and a cigarette in the morning. That seems gross to me. Seems gross to me too. What a way to ruin a cup of coffee. Yes. <laughs> I was just thinking that like who wants to, I mean, smoking a cigarette is, it's not, they're kind of gross. Yeah. There's nothing. Yeah. You literally only do it to, to look cool. like Matthew. Yes. To look like Matthew McConaughey. Yeah. That's who you think you look like. To that point too, uh, what made me think of that as well with the coffee is the whole, this is in line with what we're talking about. For quote unquote optimal health, you should wait like three hours after you wake up to have any caffeine. Yes. Uh, the science behind that is the tiredness that you feel when you get sleep, sleepy mm -hmm. is adenosine uh, and caffeine essentially blocks that. Right. And so caffeine doesn't make you more energetic. It blocks the thing that makes you feel tired. Right. And so when you wake up and you slam a cup of coffee like I do every morning because I'm cool, uh, it, it clogs all that up. And then when you have the crash in the afternoon, it's yep. because all of it like floods out and you get tired all of a sudden. Yeah. And so if you delay your caffeine intake, it doesn't work the same. You have less crashes later on. Mm -hmm. But the Takes thought, all the joy out of your day. A hundred percent. Yeah. When I wake up every morning, yeah. I want a cup of coffee. Yeah. And that's the only thing that 
wakes me up. I want to be like staring at the wall, drinking a cup of coffee, wondering how am I going to get through my day today. Like it's the best time of the day. It's 100% the best time of the day. And every time I've heard that fact, just listening to podcasts and reading art, whatever, so many times. And it's one of those things where every time I read it, I need to pretend it's not true. And I just scroll or like password yeah. because I don't want to, I don't want to believe that it's a thing. Yeah. And I'm very much somebody who would hear some, something like that and be like, okay, I really need to do that. And I think I actually did try to do that for maybe, I don't know, a week. And I hated it. Yeah, it's horrible. It was I've, horrible. I've done it. Uh, the difference for me, though, a lot of times I'm waking up at 11 o'clock. So then, I mean, that is still my morning. So I guess technically I still should wait. Yeah, because I think it's based off your circadian rhythm. Correct. Um, Which, do I even It's just not my hill to climb. I will leave that one to somebody else. Yes, exactly. Moderation. Yeah. And I, I have more coffee than I'm supposed to. I have like three or four cups every day. I have at least that. And they're back to back. Yeah. And my head hurts by the middle of the afternoon because I've had too much. And then I have to get enough water in by the end of the day. That's just how I live. Have you, have you gone a day recently without any coffee? Uh, I actually don't have any problem not drinking coffee. Oh, it's really bad for me. Like? Terrible headache. I could have one in the morning. And then not have any, and I'm fine. I could have none, mm -hmm. and I'm fine. Mm -hmm. I've never had a problem just like not having coffee. Yeah. It's more, to me, the way it tastes and feels when I'm shivering and I got this hot cup of coffee, <laughs> and I have my fake fireplace on. In the summer, in the middle of the summer, you do this. Sometimes. Oh, how cold is your house? Uh, we keep it at like 67, 68. It's pretty cool. I wake up cold most mornings, mm. especially now. It's getting cold. It's good to sleep cold. Yeah, it's good to sleep cold. Speaking of cold, ice baths are coming back. It's cold plunge season. It's cold plunge season. <laughs> I have the last two weeks. I have. Uh, I have to clean my ice bath. I, I mean, need to clean mine too. If you see yeah. my my cold plunge right now, it is horrid. Same. Like, it's moldy. I'm actually like. Im Im there was I'm a actually huge... embarrassed by what mine looks like I right know. now. <laughs> mine too. There was a huge spider in mine the other day, and I tried to drown it, and then it, and then it didn't. It was just like sporadically going all over the place, and I felt horrible about it. And oh, I was like, yeah. oh god, that's I have to... sad. Yeah, I tortured it, and mm -hmm. I felt horrible. And then I killed it. I put it out of its misery, and uh, <laughs> I, I have to clean my ice bath though. But every time I walk out to let my dog out, I think it's time. I usually check the weather for the week. And yeah. literally today was the reason why I didn't do it again this week is yeah. because it's 70 degrees also, right next now. next week it's going to be like almost 80. I sunny. know. So. I think we have to wait till like mid-October for sure. Yeah. But it is almost cold. I am, I am excited about that. I think that might have been the time where I thought, okay, maybe I'll just do the, the ice bath in the morning and save the coffee until after. Like I've thought about that too. Yeah. But I can't bring myself to ice bath in the morning. So you told me this before, but it's actually better for you if you do it in the morning. I know. Okay. Um. <laughs> and I do it and I do it after I work out and you're not supposed to do that either. Well, that's like still controversial, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. yeah. Sort of. That's I I usually this is this was the routine that I had last year when I was doing it was I would wake up, I'd have coffee. I would usually go I would either have like one or two training sessions with clients and then I would work out or I would work out right away mm -hmm. and then I would train people and I would pretty much coach into the afternoon. And then I would ice bath at like 4 p.m. before I went to jujitsu mm -hmm. to wake myself back up. Right, right, right. So I actually kind of did it the, how, you're, how you're supposed to. Sort of, yeah. I waited, it was like six hours after my workout and mm -hmm. I even did it before my second workout. I wouldn't really call it a workout, but jujitsu was a great workout. I just, 
I can't in my brain process it as a workout because there's no way to quantify the amount of stuff that you do. So it right. stresses me out. But you can't like write your sets down and your numbers. Yeah, that what I can't you track out? it. Yeah. But the um, the mental challenge of doing it every day and the fact that it would wake me up right before I got like my most tired when I had to go train again mm-hmm. was the reason why I would do it when I did it. Mm-hmm. But I don't know what I'm going to do now. I thought about trying to do it in the morning, but I'm such a wuss in the morning. When I wake up, I literally can't pull myself from my fake fireplace in my in yeah. my coffee. I think <laughs> I think it is one of those things that you literally have to tell yourself I'm doing nothing. Like I would set my mind's outside. And I don't know why I'm saying most people do this with some form of clothing on. Um, <laughs> but I would like set the whatever I was going to wear into my ice bath out and I would literally get out of bed and put it on and grab a towel and go do it. And if I didn't do that, it wasn't getting done. I did that. I put a bathing suit and a towel right next to me and I woke up and I walked into my closet and I put on sweatpants and a sweatshirt. (laughs) (laughs) And I went down and I did something else and I waited until later to do it. The other thing that I would do though is I would grab like sweatpants and a sweatshirt and put it like right inside the door so that I knew like I would just get out and like- It was waiting for you. It was waiting for me. That helped. It's so weird like the mental games you play with yourself. Yeah. And is it all really necessary? Just get up and get in the tub and there's yeah. harder things you do in life than sit in cold water for three minutes. hundred percent. And I, I think about that a lot. Nobody really says this to me anymore, but like running an ultra marathon to most people is like such an outlandish thing, mm-hmm. especially a hundred miles. Mm-hmm. But to me, it's like, I can't even get out of bed and put my, dip my toe in cold water. Cause right. I don't feel like it. Right. It's not a, but you ran a hundred miles. Yeah, like yeah. so it doesn't really matter. It's all it's all it's circumstantial a, and yes. everything's different. Yes. Doing hard things is the name of the game there. Yeah. That's a good place to end it. Good job. Anything else you want to add? No, I don't think so. This is fun. Cool. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Good People. If you enjoyed this week's episode and you are listening on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, please consider giving the show a rating. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with somebody you love, perhaps your grandma. We'll see you next time.